recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 94 is recorded live December 15th, 2011. Okay, welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This week in the news, we have no foul play in a scuba death. We have uh, divers pressing hard for a record. We also have dive gear flying free. We'll have uh, a new way of doing underwater ice diving. And as always, I'd like to welcome uh, one of my co-hosts. This week, we have Mac, the dive vendor. How are you doing today, Mac? We're doing very well. It's been a busy day, as yes. I understand yeah, yours has been. Yeah, it's not too bad. Been a good day. I woke up this morning in, uh, you know, in Fahrenheit. We had, I think it was 55, 57 degrees. It almost felt like summer. But it sure <laughs> has changed. Uh, I think it was 54 when I, I left this morning, and it was 36 when I got back. Yeah, so... Uh, it, it, it didn't work out well. And as, uh, Dave was saying, uh, maybe, uh, you have to wear a Merino lion speedo on days like this <laughs> uh, or yeah, something. It kind of, yeah, it kind of creates a bad mental image. I'm afraid though. Uh, so what we'll do is, uh, we'll go ahead and jump right on into the news. We'll get through this news. We have quite a big news week. The first article, and as always, we're going to paste that into the chat room so everybody can follow along. And we have a hop in chat room tonight. And the first one is a follow-up to a story we had earlier in the year, which had to do with an individual who had unfortunately passed on in the attic of his home wearing a scuba suit. And supposedly, as the story goes, uh, he was trying it on for a trip. But uh, his girlfriend, who was a well-known dominatrix, uh, discovered him and uh, came up with a story. So there's some questions as to what the motivation for the scuba suit uh, was, but uh, they have ruled that there was no foul play. So they're assuming that the story that she said where she didn't notice him missing right away and then went up and found him is correct. In August, uh, uh, Schultzmuller, 49, in the Philadelphia, uh, was testing his scuba equipment he planned to use on a vacation in Mexico. And uh, he had uh, passed on, uh, presumably from exertion or, or something. Uh, but th- there's a little bit more backstory about his uh, his girlfriend. If you if you read in the article, you know, really unrelated to, to scuba diving, but quite of uh, a, a dramatic uh, history there. And then the next one we have up is we have scuba diving equipment stolen in a new market raid. Ice bucket uh, would pay not to keep your dive gear in a garden shed at your home. That seems to be a trend over there. If you have it in a garden shed, it's uh, likely that somebody is going to come and take it. It just seems like a garden. uh, You know, I say that, but that's one of my my actually dreams is to put in a garden shed for my dive gear or or mini barn, so to speak. I was going to say, it must have been a mini barn because they talked about they found the ladder against the side of the house and a small window had been forced open. So a shed is not what I thought, but makes sense what she does, you know. A small barn, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the scuba diving equipment stolen from the garden shed in the Newmarket Kings Edwards Road. These broke in between 9 p.m. on Tuesday. 
November 29th and 7 a.m. the following day. So, yep, and then they hauled a, a ladder. I'm, I'm guessing that they either had it alongside the house. So, so they, they got distracted somehow. So make sure you keep that. Also, that uh, should be a good reminder to us to keep you know as much information as we can on any of our valuable serial numbers, etc. So uh, if somebody does come across it, uh, they can find it uh, or get it back to you. I wonder if it was wet or dry when they took it. I don't know. <laughs> And then here's something that's a little bit unfortunate. The uh, vandals uh, in Tampa drained the YMCA pool. And this, you would think somebody would notice before this ha- would, would happen. Uh, they, they're presuming that the individuals involved, that they, they haven't been able to identify, uh, they had to open a couple different valves. Uh, and when the, uh, the, the, one of the managers of the pool came back the next day, he was a little shocked to find it all drained. The pool was drained uh, overnight on Sunday, uh, and this was by the uh, discovered by the wise athletic director. He had a feeling of disbelief trying to think how it could have happened. There's a series of, series of valves that had to be opened to allow the entire contents of the pool to drain into a nearby retention pot. They, they started to fill it. There was a hole in the liner or bubbles, so they had to actually uh, push the liner back, so it took a little bit extra time, and they're starting to fill it. The city has agreed to waive some of its water charges since it is the why uh and they're trying to also get some donations to the counter some of the cost of refilling the, the pool uh and and some of the impact is that there was a group of wounded war veterans who are coming to do a water therapy this is they were be, they were scheduled to begin scuba training so uh if you happen to know anything about it the uh the police down there in tampa are looking to try and figure out who did it Three hundred thousand gallons of water is a lot of water that just, is a I, lot of water. I, I just wonder what that cost and what it's going to cost to refill it. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm in the country, so I've got uh, a well. Let's see, 300 gallons of water would probably take me about a month. 300,000 gallons. 300,000 gallons. Yeah. So I know that uh, when I when I worked in the the city of Niles, that that was one of the fundraisers that the fire the volunteer fire department would do is they would. Uh, you could pay them, and they would come and fill your pool from the pumper trucks. Yeah, they do that out here also for a little extra charge. But I don't know yeah. anybody in my neighborhood that has a 50-meter-long uh, pool with that many gallons in it. Yeah. The picture of the pool is pretty neat. That's a big sucker. Yeah, that's a nice pool. Nice pool. And then next up is we have some uh, divers, unfortunately, became ill. They were doing a ecology dive. In a river in the UK. And let's see if we can, when this comes up, this is reported by the BBC. The River Avon, yes. The River Avon. Is that notorious? Uh, Chippingham? Uh, Members of the Cane Divers spent six hours cleaning a stretch of the River Avon. Uh, They pulled more than 40 trolleys, which would be shopping carts in U.S. vernacular, 20 bicycles, and a bus stop with the bin and timetable attached. Uh, but they had, they had, the club has had five divers have since become ill, and they think it might be uh, Wheels disease. Now, d- did you happen to find out what that was? I looked that up because I was curious because we dive in a lot of, uh, I don't want to say crappy water, but <laughs> potentially infected areas or, or areas well, that might have some issues. We, we dive uh, in the shadow of waste treatment plants sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. And we dive downstream of the one in St. Joe. Yes, that occasionally has items. I looked it up, and one of the terms for that, and I, I'm terrible at enunciation and pronunciation, 
but it it seems to be leptospirosis and Wells disease. It's a bacterial infection carried in rat's urine that may contaminate water in lakes and rivers. Now, it said the bacteria does not survive in dry conditions or salt water. The risk of infection is greater in stagnant or slow-moving water, but as always, cases have occurred in swift-moving streams and lowland rivers. And then the key, it, there is, it, it especially happens where there is an enhanced risk where flash floods have washed out rat runs. So if you've got, like we do right now, we've got flood conditions yes. um, in our rivers. If there's any habitats for the where the rats get flushed out because of the high water, we are at risk. Well, and that makes and it sense. talked about the infections caught by direct contact with the urine or polluted environment. And the bacteria will enter through skin abrasions via the eyes, the nose, or the mouth. Ah, so, so don't swallow the water. Yeah, don't swallow the water. It's, it's always a good idea not to drink that. Uh, the, what they're saying is that unless somebody is willing to donate them face masks, he says it's going to be a little tough to convince people to uh, do this cleanup dive again. Now, did you, you pick up that they had to remove five of the trolleys from the boat ramp just to get in the water? Uh, I heard that, and the pictures are pretty neat, which is typical what we find around bridges and stuff. And trolleys, in this case, happen to be shopping carts. Yes. Uh, so when I look at that, and then said, how many bicycles did they get? Was that 10? Oh, it was a, it was a whole mess load of them. And typical signs. Yep. Um, and that was only in about uh, 25 meters or 75 feet of river, which, is, it, again, that's not surprising. We've seen similar s- spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with the, well, the scrap see. metal, I mean, you think about those carts. I mean, that's chrome. I mean, you could probably, there's probably worth something. I, well, I know uh, from my days working retail, those carts, you know, you're spending a hundred and some dollars per cart. Right. So, uh, we used you, to, I was going to say, we used to collect them. If you can get them before the wheels get screwed up, mm-hmm. uh, you can take them to a uh, car wash using the power washer. Because I've got stuff, the chrome ones get cleaned up pretty good. It's just the wheels that really get screwed up, if you can get them pretty soon. Yeah. And you can make money doing just what you said, either returning them or selling them to homeless people. <laughs> selling them to homeless people. So, you know, that uh, that that Wells disease, it doesn't yeah. sound like it's a real neat thing to get. It talked about um, it's a flu-like illness, usually resolves, usually within two to three weeks. You get fever, headaches, pains in your back, calf. Um, you can't, so you need to be laying down. Some cases develop in the jaundice. And death may occur in 15% of the cases. Whoa, 15%. That's uh, not just a a decimal point there. That's uh, pretty significant. That's pretty freaking high. Yeah. But that that usually occurs if the individual gets jaundice. And they said it's not the divers who are getting this. It's canoeist. Well, you know, I could see that because, uh, you know, if you're canoeing, a lot of times you're, you get the paddle on one side of the canoe and then you lift it up and you go to the other side. So then the water runs down to your hands and then you, you know, wipe your mouth or your eyes or your face and you transfer it that way. Well, there's just saying uh, items to make sure you can minimize it. Obviously, not getting in the water is if you have cuts or anything like abrasions, make sure you put waterproof bandages. So make sure you're wearing footwear and you're not doing this like in the summer barefooted. Uh, don't capsize, drill, or practice rolling your canoe in suspected waters. When possible, shower soon after canoeing, or in our case, when you get out from diving. And if you're in doubt, get to your doctor early. They check it out by a blood test. You know, the, the thing with that, it sounds like, uh, you know, there's times when it's going to be more likely 
but I don't think you're ever at a time where there's with zero risk. Yeah, it's it's like if you go to that uh, little place up in uh, South Bend where I dove looking for that crystal ball a couple yeah. months, well, last year. Um, when I went upstream to where they launched the boats, that's where I found that big sign that said, oh, by the way, danger, that during high water, you really might not want to be diving in this or swimming because they have overflow from the local sewage plant, which is right downstream of us. So we have, you know, items that are quite similar to it. Yeah, and the thing is that all our favorite spots are downstream from that spot. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if you have a sign there, it should go follow for everything. Yeah, full face sounds like a real good idea, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Full face, dry suit, dry gloves. Okay, now I'm getting into my environmental diving. Yeah. Then have somebody to decon me with Clorox when I get out. Yeah, well, well, maybe that's what that guy was doing in the attic, just being, just being <laughs> extra safe. Okay, uh, next one up is... Uh, from a website, bookyourdive.com, and uh, he has an article. In it, it comes from a different perspective. This is somebody from an ethnic background where they actually, it's a delicacy to eat the shark fins. So that was something they have, and I, I understand that shark fin soup can go for as much as a, $100 a bowl. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and f- for those who aren't aware, it's a practice where, uh, many times what they do is they cut just the fin off the shark and they throw the rest of the shark back because uh, it's worth the, the, the shark fin's worth so much to be used in soup. And then they're killing millions of these sharks a year uh, just for this dish. So many places have, have banned the practice. Uh, Thailand's uh, talking about uh, banning uh, the practice. Uh, you know, of course, they won't do it immediately. They want to put a deadline, but you know, at least they're heading in the right direction. But this article, we won't, I won't read the whole thing here, but it might be something you want to look up and just see some of it. You know, it's kind of somebody coming around to realizing that uh, it's, it might not be something that they should do. So uh, kind of an, uh, an interesting take on it. I thought it was interesting looking at some of the common arguments about it's a tradition. Sharks pe- uh, eat people all the time. Too many of them. We have to eat them. Shark fins are delicious. They're scary. Why do you like them so much? Okay. Some of the items in there are pretty interesting. We go from that to another UK story, and I can remember covering something similar in the past, and this is ironing, underwater ironing. I still don't get it, but I guess maybe that's half the point. I don't think she's using an electric iron, do you? Well, um, maybe once. But she doesn't have to add any water to it either. Yeah. So this is, uh, let's see, what town are they in that they got this? Oh, this is Australia. I'm sorry. I said UK. Yeah, I was going to say, whoa. Yep. Uh, what this uh, Deborah as a party has put out a call for 200 scuba divers to break the Guinness World Record for extreme underwater ironing Sunday, February 2nd at the Brighton Open Water Baths. Hmm. So... This is this, the latest sport combines the thrills of outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well, well-pressed shirt. I am amazed for the run. I am aiming for 200 divers to iron out the record, so to speak, so all those duchies, what us Aussies are made of. So let's claim back our record. I was trying to find more details on that, and I'm not finding any. No, I've, I've seen some before. We've, we've covered it in the past. If you probably, if somebody looks through some of our old episodes and show notes, we'll see where they have the underwater ironing, but, uh, it just, it must just be one of those things where you put the two together and there you go. Well, in 2009, UK divers broke that record for the most number of divers ironing underwater at the same time. 
And it said 128 scuba divers braved the freezing winter temperatures to attempt to break the world's record, previously held by the Australians. Yeah, so it sounds like, like a grudge match. Interesting. They're pretty serious about it, talking about the equipment they need, when to bring it. I can't believe that, you know, last week we were talking about things to do underwater. Yep. We never said this one. No, no, we didn't have underwater ironing as one of them. Not in, not in my foggiest notion would I have come up with underwater ironing. Interesting. The things you learn on this program. Uh, just a kind of our own public service announcement. <laughs> now, I can tell you it's a, an activity my wife would never volunteer for. She's not a fan of the ironing. And now here's another article, which I have no idea why I even put it in there. So, is this must, the firefighters? This is the firefighters. They must have had some point in the article where we were talking about scuba diving. There must have been a good reason for it. Oh, I know. That's because the fire department lieutenant in this almost lost his life last year. Ah, ah that's uh, right. That's right. During a training exercise. Yeah, th- this, this is a good one. This kind of uh, talking about, uh, th- this is something where there's, there's plenty to be learned from for uh underwater on on the ice and if you if you look at what happened he was under he was under the ice and uh it, it looks like he had a free flow that blew his mask off and then yeah. he went back to his excuse me his backup bottle and for whatever reason that didn't provide him any air he went to breathe in and nothing came in and uh, luckily the tender sensed something and uh, they got people in the water and helped him out Oh, yeah, I was looking at the report on that. Have you got that same one? Yeah. Thought he had a leak. He could hear something. All of a sudden, kaboom. Sounded like the first stage regulator malfunction. They said 2,500 pounds of air came rushing through, blowing off his hood and his mask. At that time, face and head were suddenly exposed to icy water. Couldn't see, couldn't communicate, and couldn't figure out what the hell just happened. It was 75 to 80 feet from the hole. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a distance. I mean, even if you know that that w- w- if you have somebody on the line, isn't that where you do the? Uh, I, was it three pulls pulls you in, but that would be about forty pulls. <laughs> you think that, that had a vibrator on the rope? Man, yeah, that's so much. Yeah, but uh, well, you, it, but reading this, I mean, this is very valuable. It it lets you know uh, what can happen. Well, and they said after his hood mask came off, obviously that, that rush of cold water is going to really mess your mind up. He he obviously went straight up, body hit the ice sheet. Oh. So now he's he impacted that, you know, and suddenly, you know, if you had exhaled when that happened, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Oh, yeah. And the ice was, what, 10 inches thick. So there ain't no way you're going to use your, your dive knife ah, to get through that. Yeah. They said... Uh... When he came to the hole in the ice, they could see the diver wasn't breathing. He and the firefighters pulled him out of the water, put him onto the ice, removed his gear. They grabbed the diver's jaw and pulled his mouth open. Yeah, so it, it, it's probably uh, you know just a reaction of everything just kind of clenches in the ice. I mean, he was in some sort of shock. Well, you move the jaw up so you can clear the airwaves. Yeah. Oh, oh I see what they're saying. Oh, I, th- I thought they meant that his, his, his jaw was clenched. Right. The other interesting part is he did have a backup regulator. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did use it, except it didn't work. Yeah. So, it's, so they had the right equipment. The circumstances just went to heck. Yep. So, you know, just just a reminder of how much preparation we have to do. Some of the stuff uh, we get, uh, we do so often that uh, you begin to maybe not take it as seriously as you might. Uh, they have a question for Mac. Uh, can you breathe from a free flow, an FFM, like a free flowing regulator? Oh, from a full face mask. 
they want to know if it if it free flows if you can still breathe from it. If I would, you can get a hold of it, you certainly can. You can make a bubble, and you can breathe through it. But yeah. again, if you suddenly got dumped there in your full face in in ice water, you're probably going to be a little startled to say the least. And you'd have to have, I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to do that planning to do it. You know what I mean? No. Well, if you plan to demonstrate how this would happen, you could probably do it. But to have it blown off, one, you've got to find it. It's probably going to be whipping around at the end because you've got a free-flowing regulator. Yeah. But if you could grab it and make a bubble, you could. But again, full free-flow like that, it's going to, you know, your tank's going to be empty really, really quick. Oh, certainly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, if you could keep it on, I, I mean, I, w- I, I would do that. I would, I'd rather breathe from a free-flowing regulator than not have anything at all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've done it from tanks. Take the regulator off your tank. Just hold your tank underwater. Open it. Using the high pressure coming out, you can make a bubble and actually breathe off, breathe off, of, off of that. We've done that before as practice. But, again, warm, controlled environment. No, I, I wouldn't try. I wouldn't want to be in that guy's position, no. No, not at all. But glad he's okay, and uh, you know it's one of those unfortunate ways to learn uh, some skills. But uh, it turned out okay, and it will make him a better diver, I'm sure. Um, another one for our friends in Ohio: state funding has improved the approved for the Maritime Museum. Uh, this is from Toledo, one of my, one of my favorite towns to go and visit. Uh, the creation of the Great Lakes Maritime Museum has taken a big big step forward with approval for more than six million dollars in state money. The commission approved. The use of the money by the Great Lake Historical Society in the city of Toledo to develop the site for the National Great Lakes Maritime Museum on the banks of the Maumee River in Toledo. The society has opened the Island Seas Maritime Museum, oh, it has operated the Inland Seas Maritime Museum in Vermilion, but has been planning to move several years. A contract to Toledo Lucas County Port Authority to move the port owned Toledo Maritime Center in the Marina District after looking for various locations along Lake Erie. Uh, our current facility is locked in by the lake and private homes, and the expansion would have been next to impossible. The new building will have about 12,000 square feet of display space, almost triple the amount the current site has. Uh, they're expected to be an entirely new experience with all new exhibits, world-class exhibits, uh, fabrication. It's going to be the finest museum of Great Lakes history anywhere in the world. I, I've never, I don't remember seeing what the uh, Colonel M. Schoonmaker I mean, that's the Great Lakes freighter they're going to have there on display. And that's where a lot of the cost is involved in. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of work to do that, to move a, a 600-foot, well, they need a dredging for a 600-foot slip for the freighter. Right, right. Well, you know, getting it and getting it set up is one thing, but maintenance can be a real bear. Well, uh, one, of, one of the groups that my dad supports on one of the Olympia societies, I don't know if you've been following that about the Olympia Museum. No, I haven't. That, that's over in Philadelphia, and and the it's uh, one of the the last of the uh, Great White Fleet ships, and the hull is just rusting away, and it needs to be redone. And the museum that it's affiliated with doesn't want to pay for the maintenance. They're pretty much saying we're done. So you know, that's, uh, that that's what's really interesting. It really comes down to money. Uh, same thing with a lot of the archaeological digs and stuff. It's nice to be able to preserve stuff, but who's got the money to do it and then maintain it? Yeah, and, th- and that's what they're saying is that it's such a drain on the museum. They feel they have better things to do with their funds, so they're giving it up. And there's several societies who are working on it, and there's some national grants that are going to be applied. But in the meantime, you know, they, they're they're running out of time. They've only got a few years before they, they say there's going to be some serious damage. Well, their only real solution is to yank them up, put them on tractor trailers, take them to the desert. 
Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what that's one way to do it. Well, they do it for the airplanes. Do it for the boats. Yeah, like like to see some of that stuff preserved. That's uh, they're they're unique specimens, and you can't do them. And never going to make another one. Well, I'm waiting for them down at the uh, Chicago Museum to get rid of the UC 505. <laughs> you got to believe the maintenance on that, and eventually you can bet my. I will bet you money that eventually that will go by the wayside. Well, but have you been? Have you seen what they did with that? Well, which time? Well, now that it's inside a building. I yeah. Last time I was there, it was inside. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean and that 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 should. I mean, it had to have been expensive to put up that building, but maintenance on that has to be a, a lot less than it would have otherwise been. But they make that's a money maker for Chicago, though. I was going to say they they still charge a little extra for that one, correct? Yeah, that's uh, I want to say ten or twelve dollars to get in that submarine. So. And there is a line. You, it's 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 kind of like Disney World. They got tickets and they got so many per so much time, and they move it through. And they got tour operators. So yeah, right now, I mean, it's such a unique piece of history. If you ever get a chance yes. to go to Chicago into that museum and uh, view that, that's uh, it's amazing to see that a lot of original artifacts are are still on there and display. That 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 boat is still. The display of that one is much better than I than many of the uh, World War II boats we have either in Lake Michigan or on the east or west coast. Uh, the way it is preserved and available for you to go through it, the way they've cut it up. Uh, the Germans actually in uh, Munich at the uh, Maritime Museum or their their major museum in Munich, they actually have a, a U-boat. Uh, but it's and it's the different decking. You can be on one floor and you'll have the the um, periscopes. Go down, you got the con. But it's nothing like the the 505. That's absolutely gorgeous. Yes, it is. And uh, next up, we have Air Malta is flying diving equipment free of charge this winter. So this is one of those things where, you know, uh, the PGA for a long time, if you've got oversized clubs or a bag, uh, the PGA picks up the the airline fee for those. Uh, and we, we, we'd said how great it would be if the same thing happened for dive gear. Well, here's Air Malta, and they're saying they're going to fly your dive gear for free. This year, Air, this winter, Air Malta will waive all charges related to the carriage of scuba diving equipment on its scheduled flights. It's available from the uh, until 29th of February and applies to tra- passengers transporting a separate bag containing personal dive equipment weighing up to 32 kilos. So that's enough for you know, if you if you bought travel gear uh, to be able to do a little bit of traveling. Uh, I wouldn't mind going to Malta. Sounds like yeah. a very very nice place. Yeah. I mean, I, I figure it's in the center of the Mediterranean. Yeah, you're sort of bounded by Sicily, Libya, and Gibraltar. I mean, it's in that area. It, it sounds interesting, and I bet the you know based on its history, I was just taking a quick look at it and how long it's been around. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there's a lot of artifacts out there. Oh, so you're, you're thinking about going to Malta for some grubbing? <laughs> well, me, I'm a grubber. That sure does sound great to me. I mean, you're talking back to, God, what is it? Uh, I'm just looking at some of the wars that have been fought in that area and the times. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be a cool place to go look for stuff. You know, you talk about temples, underwater and everything. I'd go for it. Yeah. So we go from that where that, that's an, a good thing for the sport is being able to get your dive uh, translated, uh, transported for free, at least for one bag. Uh, and here's a, a dive shop, and uh, I believe this one's in Cleveland, where there you can go and your kids can scuba dive with Santa. 
scuba dive with Santa? Yeah, we, we, we've seen plenty of them. I mean, you can't do a search on Google without seeing all the scuba Santas. And I, it's gotten to the point where I don't even cover it anymore because there's 40 or 50 places doing scuba Santas. But this one I thought was a little bit different twist where you can do essentially what's almost like a discover scuba with Santa. That's a scuba Santa event uh, this Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Harborson Recreation Center. And uh, let's see, this is Columbia, must be Columbia, South Carolina, uh, scuba Santa event. Children ages 8 to 12 can take a dip in the indoor heated pool with Santa and decorate a Christmas tree while they're underwater. They're saying this is a great opportunity for kids who are interested in scuba diving to try it for the first time in the comfort of a pool. Um, says uh, Lucy uh, Krilling, the owner of Columbia Scuba. Puts this really cool way to have a visit with Santa. And I would have to agree. Definitely unique. Unique. So, uh, yeah, and excellent. Just a, so dive shop getting out there and doing some promoting. We love to see that that sort of activity. I wonder what the uh, the cost of the picture with Santa there costs. Yeah. Yeah, well, the underwater camera. I mean, I'm sure there's some add-ons that you can go and get it. <laughs> uh, they said registration is limited, so if you're interested, uh, sign up. But that is uh, Sunday, December 18th, if you're listening to this recorded. And uh, unfortunately, I could probably double for Santa sometimes, especially the way the winter's going. Uh, and then uh, next one is we have, a re- uh, as we talk about dive shops, we have a retired Army sergeant is getting ready to live the dream and uh, do what Rich Sinewick does, which is uh, have a job that doesn't suck. He is going to... Well, open- that sucks, sort of. <laughs> well, yeah, breathing on a regulator does, but he's going to get to... Uh, he's planning on opening a dive shop. Uh, this is... Uh, I can't, can't tell you what this is. Watertown Daily News... Uh, New York area, a retired army sergeant who works as a contractor at Fort Drum soon will open a scuba shop downtown where he also teach others how to dive. He's planning an opening at mid-January at uh, 70 East Main Street, storefront next to the Jumbos. He says he will soon start painting the walls and ordering scuba pro equipment. The village planning board approved his plans Thursday night. He is certified through PADI and is considering taking a class and teaching scuba diving for the handicapped. Uh, I may try to get that done before I open the shop. Right now, it's going to be just me starting out. Uh, uh, he was owned. He owned. He was raised around Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse retired in 2010 as a first a sergeant first class after 23 years in the army. He works as a contractor teaching robotics at the 10th Mountain IED uh, Defeat Center. So excellent. We wish him the best. Uh, Interesting. He's saying that he's going to offer both instruction and base equipment packages for six eight hundred dollars. So, uh, so he says he's he's got an excellent location. So, we wish him the best. And then uh, one of the preserves, and I keep forgetting that this isn't a preserve yet. But uh, here in Michigan, in one of the spots that we dive, we we dive the Ironsides, uh, but they're they're getting a step closer to making that a preserve up there, which is kind of unusual. Yeah. If you read the law. Anytime you have two boats of historic value in the same geographic area, that they, 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 like automatically becomes a preserve. So this seems to be just a formalization of the area. And and why would not this preserve have been set up when the Southwest Michigan Preserve was set up, Mac? You have any idea? No, I don't. I I just was reading through this a little bit. Um, not to rain on anybody's parade, but you know, it talked about Lake Michigan shipwrecks such as the Henry Court near Muskegon. Well, you know, the court, uh, as I recollect, is a, uh, my mind is going here, a whaleback 
And she actually went down right off the piers. And you could dive that one by going off the piers if you're a pretty decent swimmer. And it was pretty much rubble. Yeah. Uh, probably 15 years ago, a storm came through and, and moved her a little bit. And it actually uh, positioned it such that there were portholes and stuff that were not exposed, were exposed. Of course, they're now gone. Right. But, you know, you may preserve it, but Mother Nature is not going to necessarily uh, agree to what you want. I mean, I, I can see having to preserve, but I still am not 100% sold on what it really does for shallow water wrecks like this. Yeah. Now, here's the little thing, which kind of reminds me of what I'd love to do. It says, many of the local people in the group that has been working on similar projects for the years, the original group called the West Michigan Artificial Reef Society formed in 1999. That group's mission was to get permission from the state to sink a clean ship as an artificial reef, which was never allowed. Preserves by design are allowed to sink a cleaned vessel, one per uh, preserve. And we know what it costs to clean a vessel, though. You're yes. talking, if, if it's of any size, you're talking a lot of money. Oh, I would I, I would love to work on that project nonetheless. Bring it on. I just can't find the vessel. I'm, I've been looking. So if you know of anything 100 to 300 feet in length, <laughs> that'd be interesting to dive on with historic Michigan value. I'm sure we could come up with a few places to sink it. Like friends goodwill. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get too far on that. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Yeah, yeah. Friends goodwill. Uh, I noticed they put the William Davitt there. There's also the Minch. Uh, there's a bunch of them. I mean, we dynamited some of those because they're hazards to navigation. Yeah. Now you're going to protect them from what? Yeah. So, and then uh, we have some good news. We have. Uh, Rich in the chat room and uh, following him on f Facebook, uh, Divers Incorporated, the dive shop he owns, has uh, been granted the concession to White Star Quarry for 2012. So congratulations to Rich on uh, getting uh, the concession for one more year. So uh, it sounds like there's going to be a dive planned for New Year's Day. They're saying an ice dive, but I don't know. <laughs> do they, do they, are they going to have ice? I don't know. I, I talked to Rich today, matter of fact. Oh, did you? Yeah, I went, I went up there to see him. And uh, I, I think that the contract there is a little longer than one year. So he, if he's out there, I'm sure he'll he'll text you and give you some more information there. So, so you, you went you went to Ann Arbor today? Yeah, yeah. I bought some stuff when I was up there. I went to other places. I was going to talk about that later. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'll cover that in a little bit. So, wow. Yeah, that is nice. Oh, he says three more years. So, excellent. Ah. I, I, I will have to make it there. <laughs> In the next three years, at least once. At least once. Okay. So, and then the video of the week, you know, the kind of the ice diving theme going on. And we keep getting reports of the audio going in, in talk, in uh, talk show. I just think it's uh talk shoes congested. Uh, Cause you, you, you and I can hear each other pretty well. And if hopefully if you can record it, then we don't lose the, no, the no, so. department in party yeah. out. So this is a YouTube video that Mac turned us on, and this is this is I, I just love the BBC and the way they record it. I just hope when this special comes to the U.S., they don't re-edit it. You know, David Attenborough's voice is much better than than anything that we're going to dub over the top of it. But uh, this video we put in, and, and, and just to kind of paraphrase what you're going to see, is they're showing this bay. Uh, this is this must be someplace way up north, isn't it, Mac? Yeah, where you have uh, quite a bit of uh, 
tidal inlet. Yeah, and out. It was like 12 feet from low tide to high tide. It's almost like the Bay of Fundy where you have extreme amount from low to high tide. Yep. So, so this bay has ice over the top of it. And when the water goes out, uh, the natives of the area up there will carry out this wooden sled slash ladder, punch in the cracks of the ice, and then walk down underneath and gather mussels. So it, that it's impressive, but scary when you think of if you're down there and that water shifts somehow and closes that opening, you well, are really messed up. Well, it, it, the video really didn't scare me. Like when they first went down, I'm thinking, oh, that's fine. But they're down there, and the water's starting to come back. Yeah. So that opening that you just barely squeezed through is now yeah. shifting and moving. And you're crawling up, and there's nothing stronger than that ice moving. I mean, we've seen it here in Lake Michigan, the damage it can do to the shorelines, that the power that ice has, and, and to be crawling down there and up out of it. I would much rather it be floating like we do in Lake Michigan and you drill a hole and go in than I would to ever do what they're doing. I'm sure we could get used to it, but I don't think I like mussels that much. <laughs> you know, I, I could, though. You know, mussels and maybe lobster, I could be. I well, it looks like that's a crab down there. The crab yeah. looked interesting. But uh, so that's our video of the week. Uh, that one, another way to do some ice diving. So uh, we, we, we uh, just just absolutely amazing. We're, we're getting that time of the year. I'm I'm, I'm getting kind of excited, but I got to get my, De- my December dive in. I haven't got my December dive. I've, I've been uh, the last two years of diving every month, and I'm I feel like I'm at risk of of not making it. So, uh, you know, oh, I, I got. This I, weekend. Are we going to this weekend? Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But are we going to talk about the camera? The camera. You want to talk about the camera? I got that in the notes. But we can. Icon looks interesting, and so does uh, that equalizing item. Yeah, and I know everybody kind of has their favorites on what kind of cameras, but some potentially cool scuba gear was the uh, Nauticam, uh, it's an underwater housing for the Nikon D7000. And the reason, I, I usually don't do just general products that, I mean, a, a housing's a housing, a housing. But this housing looked incredibly tight to me. I mean, I've seen housings where it's like a big giant box and there's levers that kind of eventually touch something on the camera. But this housing looked to be, I, I, in fact, I, it looked so good, I almost don't believe it. it's a working housing. I, I looked at it, and it's great-looking camera setup, but when I saw the price, it's like, oh, it's man. really great to look at, but ain't no way in blazes I could ever afford that one. Oh, no. It, it, it's it's not in my... I I have to buy and destroy a lot more cameras before I'm going to get to that point <laughs> of, of what they have in there. But uh, just the all the buttons and the controls and how it went in, uh, that very interesting to see how that how that housing was. Yeah, I think you have to have a jet pilot license to operate it, though. It's got that many bells and whistles. It, it did. It did. So, uh, But one of, one of those things, I've got to take a class sometime with somebody on some, some underwater photography and, and maybe advance that skill a little bit. That's one of those uh, things I eventually want to get into, like everything else. It only takes money. Yeah, just a little yeah. thing called money. I'm just trying to convince my wife to get a full-time job so she can buy me all the dive gear I need. Yeah, I was talking about something about a dry suit for a Christmas present, and uh, that's not going over real well yet. I thought you had a dry suit. Well, I still have one downstairs, too. And you just got to get, get a silicone needle, seal on that neck. I bet I bet that would work. It just may have to. Yeah. <laughs> so so that that should do it for the news. Or did I miss anything else? Is that all of it? It's equalization for all. 
Oh, the equalization. That was an article, and uh, that was from the Aquaviews uh, magazine. And I thought that was a good uh, topic to kind of lead into to talk about. Uh, I, I thought it was very well done on just talking some of the, the different ways to equalize. Well, that's like uh, two months ago we did the article on the dam, mm-hmm. one of the uh, articles on the same topic of uh, ear. Yeah. And that was where one of the techniques for clearing your ears, uh, such as if you had a reverse squeeze going up, you don't yes. blow. You actually pinch the nostrils and suck in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't know that. And uh, that was one example I gave. I made a uh, little exam questions on the newsletter. Yeah. Obviously, you didn't take your exam. Well, on that one, I, I know you don't blow out when you're coming up. I mean, I, I could see why somebody green in diving would think you would blow because that's what you're doing as you're going down. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it just, you feel pain and that starts to become a reflex. But I've tried a lot of these other techniques. I mean, it's one of those things I, I just have, you know, I have to do the hold my, hold my nose to do the equalization. I'm the same way even in the old days. I'd have a, a pinch pad for my nose because if mm-hmm. I can't somehow block it, I can't do my jaw like a lot of people can. Yeah. I, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I, I haven't been able. But uh, this article talks about, uh, you know, the, the Valsalva manure, maneuver, manure, <laughs> maneuver, <laughs> uh, which they say is one of the easiest way, uh, methods to employ, uh, which is simply hold your nostrils, gently blow out through your nose. Uh, what it does is force the air into your throat. Uh, and then the the Toyon B method and the Lowry technique. So right. worth reading, worth reading and remembering. Yes. Okay. Now we're done with most of the items. <laughs> Somebody's they're threatening me in the chat room. I, I I'm not following their, their thread. Uh, so that, that does it for the news. I think we've actually finished that one up and, uh, we talked about last week's dive. So I didn't get a chance to get out. Uh, I was, Bob called me and they were going to break out the boat and I just, you know, I probably could have done it, but it just wouldn't have been a good idea. You know, enough congestion, cold, you know, it wouldn't have been that deep a dive, but I think it was just better to call it and be safe. So I didn't go. Well, Bob and them did not go. Bob also wound up with a sore throat and looking ahead for uh, other dives this week and uh, for the New Year's stuff. He did not dive either, so the only one remaining was was uh, Kurt. So they did not dive on the uh, south end there in uh, Diamond Lake. Yeah, that'd have been great. So excellent chat going on in the in the chat room on on cameras and housings. Everybody's kind of has their own preference, and I didn't mean to imply that all housings are the same because I know they're quite a bit different. I've I've experienced bad housings or tough to work housings. I'm just amazed at that one on that Nikon that was uh, 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 300 feet. That seems like a, just a lot. So did you get a dive in? Yes, I did. Uh, I made a posting the other day. I took Mary Beth out. We were doing a pre-dive for the uh, New Year's down in the river, and that uh, was a good opportunity for her to do a real cold, cold water in a wetsuit, uh, check out her, her new gear, and get a little tweaking done. And uh, like it said there, Towards the shore, I had at least four-foot visibility. You could get out to about five feet, and as soon as you took your feet off the bottom, obviously your head would go down and you'd be in the water. The current, you know we're at flood stage out here, right? We're at flood you? stage. Oh, yeah. I was I was driving down uh, Cleveland Road there in St. Joe, and there's a, a it's kind of like my 
litmus test for how bad it's flooding. And when it's over the banks, that little creek, then, you know, it's all hopes lost for river diving for the next week. Well, the visibility was not bad over there in the uh, Whirlpool Basin area. But when you got out to, like I said, about five foot, about time you're going to start to go down where the muck is getting a little thick. As soon as you went under, that current coming from the river is hitting the shore, making a, a, a catch and actually will pick you up, run you about five to six feet from the shoreline and run you right out into the middle of the river before you can say boo. So boo. that is not a place we're going to be diving New Year's night, <laughs> especially if there's ice flows out there. No, no. So, uh, well, and we didn't cover the news, but I was just uh, glancing at the Herald Palladium today, and uh, they're closing the port here in the St. Joe River. Yes, that's correct. If they cannot, uh, well, they can't dredge it, therefore the boats aren't coming back. Yeah, so pretty much they say at this rate there won't be any ship traffic uh, to any of the ports. So no concrete, no crushed gravel, no salt uh, for the roads that all normally travels in through St. Joe. Uh, they had that self-unloading vessel, and they don't even mess around with that. I was reading the article. It was like they, they went in, they got hung up, and they're like, forget this, and they went right back out to Lake Michigan and probably took it someplace else. Uh, yep, that was last Tuesday. Yeah, last Tuesday. So now you were diving the basin. Did you see any examples of that sand being piled up? Uh, no, because you couldn't. I was talking <laughs> about the current. It was so fast that you could not, you will not even attempt to swim against it. Because you can be tired out in about three minutes. I mean, you'll be exhausted. The only way you could get back was to let it carry you to the shoreline, to the side, get in as shallow as you could, and either get the heck out with your gear, dump your gear, or dump all the air out, and then use the, the concrete blocks and pull yourself back around the corner to get out of the flow. Oh. So it ain't a fun place if you're not used to that, and it wasn't a fun place even if you were. So we're probably hitting uh, probably Schaefer. Uh, I'll take that back. We'll probably go to Singer Lake and do mm-hmm. a second checkout for people who are interested in getting their gear squared away for the ice dive. Yep, yep. Because you don't want to do it in the middle of the night in an unfamiliar piece of water. Okay. So so where's the ice dive look like it's going to be on New Year's Eve? Well, it, a lot depends on the river again. I'd still like to do the Whirlpool Basin pending no ice. If we have ice, it'll be up there at uh, Singer Lake. Singer Lake. Out of Baroda. I don't know. I, I just don't have a good, I mean, with, when I woke up today and we had 55 degree temperatures, I just can't picture that we're going to have ice, but things can change quickly. Yep. Yep. So, and then New Year's Day, do we have anything uh, going on New Year's Day? Is that, is the Holland dive still going on? I have not heard. I plan on doing the Holland dive if it is. I would not be surprised if it is. I don't know if they'll have a party afterwards like they normally do. Hmm. So I was also down at Sass's today. Uh-huh. And they are talking about a dive either going from their place, local, or out to the quarry. And I can't remember which quarry they were talking about. Uh-huh. Well, I have heard a rumor that uh, White Star is going to be open on New Year's Day. Well, that might be the quarry they're talking about going to. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe that maybe White Star has to be our backup plan. But it's a haul, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I think I'll probably try uh, Holland first. Holland first. Oh, let's let's see what else do we got on uh, on tap. Well, so, what I was doing today is I was visiting not just I, I went up and uh, saw Rich and Diving Incorporated up in Ann Arbor. I went ahead and took some pictures of his place from the outside and inside since I hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. And then I went down and talked to Sass a little bit over in Battle Creek and did the same at his place. 
and I've got pictures of Wolf's front and the back. And we're going to make a separate part on the uh, club site of dive shops that we have frequented or who help support us. And I'll post some pictures. So if, you, if you've never been there and haven't been to the site, at least you can see some of the places when we talk about them. Yeah, they're complaining about sound in the chat room again. It just talks you. There's not a whole heck of a lot I can do about it. I, I'm I'm sorry, Mac. What did you say? Which time? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you went to Diver Sink. Right, and then I said um, I took pictures, and then I went to I saw Sass down in Battle Creek. I took pictures of his place, and I'm taking a few additional of Wolf's, and I've got some of Moby's. And I'm going to put a separate section on the dive club page talking about dive shops we use. So if you've never been there, you can see pictures of what it looks like when you get near it. Cool. We need that. It's kind of like almost street view for yep. dive shops. Yep. But I enjoyed it. The, both places had a lot of interesting equipment that I've seen in the catalog, but I haven't been able to put my hands on to play with. So you got the Fondle dive gear. Oh, yeah. Man, was that nice. Uh, <laughs> they've got those new GPSs with the... Um, the emergency call button type in it that you can then come up on the surface, call in the boat that you got off of and say, Hey, where are you guys at? I'm over here. Uh-huh. And it gives them a GPS location. Uh, yeah. That was the one that they were supposed to release last year and it took them a whole year. Well, the price is not too bad. I liked it. That that's, that's pretty swift. I like that. What, what was that running? I, I don't remember right off, but I thought it was in the neighborhood of 300. Yeah. The, the Nautilus lifeline. Yep. And if you're, but if you're offshore, and you're in some place and the boat drops you off to go drift diving and you're by yourself in a flag. Uh-huh. I'd really like to have that along for a buddy. Yeah, that uh, Rich is saying that's two ninety nine. Yep. And I'm sure you can contact Rich's dive shop, your local dive shop, and they'll connect you up with one. But I, I like the idea of that, the, the, to have that little case there and to be able to pop it open and uh, get some assistance, kind of like your own personal EPIRP. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's not a bad idea, especially if you're going to some weird places and you're not familiar with it, or any place you're going to make me do a drift dive and I can't find my boat, I want one of them. Or, or you're going to be diving with weird people? Well, I do that all the time. So <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> well, or maybe it's just justification to already have one. Yeah. So that, that sounds nice. I, I, I've wanted to get up there and to harass Rich and take a look at his dive shop. I hear he's been uh, doing his 6 o'clock uh, specials, uh, you know, visit him at 6 o'clock. So well, I hadn't heard about that. I know Sass was doing you pop a balloon and you have a, a discount inside the balloon against mm-hmm. whatever you buy. That was the last week. And that's nice. I, I I love those. Oh, me too. They both had some very nice looking dry suits. So let me tell you. Uh, which which one were you were drooling over? All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> they did look nice. You're not picking anyone that's that's dry. I mean, yeah. I, I don't mind the wet, but you know. You guys are making me feel bad now. I, well, I haven't gotten a dry suit yet. I'm still in the wetsuit. I tried a dry suit. I just haven't picked one up. So mm-hmm. it's going to be coming soon. I'm I'm hoping. You know, just uh, we're we're in we're in Christmas season now, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to do something. It's getting there. But you know, for all you uh, wetsuit divers, don't hide out all winter. You got plenty of things you can be doing, including getting wet. Yeah, just for shorter duration. That's all. Yeah, you're you're not going to be able to get an hour in a wetsuit, but you can get 15, 20 minutes if you're hardcore. Well, I'd say 15, 20 minutes is is easy. I mean, you don't want to be freezing and shivering before you get out. You want to get out before that. 
but 15 to 20 minutes, you should be able to do it with a good wetsuit. Yes, yes, you should be able to. We got to so, work on Mary Beth's hood, though. Her, her hood was a little skimpy for for the water out there last yeah, week. Yeah, so uh, I, I hear rumors that uh, our dive buddy from uh, Cooper River, Bill, is uh, being teased into a dry suit. So uh, he, he tried your your priming technique and is, is appreciative of that value. But uh, I hear, uh, did he did he get one? Dave, did he finally, uh, Dave in the chat room saying, uh, Bill did. So, uh, went to the dark side, went to the dark side. It's all a matter of time. So and then we got, uh, Tony, uh, who's saying dry suits, uh, for sissies. <laughs> now, Rich did have a nice, uh, full face up there. That was a very nice price. So I, I looked at that and it's like, uh, yeah, f- that's tempting. A, a full face wetsuit? No, no mask. Oh, I, I was just thinking, what is that? Was a full face wet wetsuit? Is that just with the front sewn up? up? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, hey, that's some nice little deals up there. That, that full face was very tempting. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like the idea of that. But then the, the, the only thing with a full face is then you're going to get a calm equipment. And then one of the things I like is not hearing other people when I'm underwater. <laughs> so. Well, that com- communications comes in really handy if you're working on something, though. Yeah, 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 like a shipwreck. Well, yeah. if you're recovering boats and stuff in the middle of the night, like uh, Larry and I did a couple of years back, and when you can't see, period, uh, being able to talk to each other is really, really nice. So what were you doing? Uh, I don't know. Should I even ask? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, we were recovering a hydro for, or a hydroplane. Oh, okay. Guy had sank, or it sank, and... Uh, it had people looking for it. They didn't find it. Finally, he said, hey, do you guys want to find it? So we went out and found it in an hour and a half, and then we brought it up. And, of course, it's always at the freaking middle of the night, you know, after work, in the middle of the winter. Yeah. But uh, it was it was fun. But communication does make a big difference. I can imagine that. Well, let's go ahead and uh, like to thank everybody for the five-star iTunes review. So don't hesitate to give us any of those. If, if you like the show, let us know. Let us know what you like. Uh, and, uh, so the, the first one we have is, uh, and I might've read this one, but if not, I mean, it's such a good one. We'll do it again. Great job. Uh, what a great podcast. You guys are easy to listen to have good information to share as a Patty MSDT. I recommend your podcast to my students along with a couple there's good ways to maintain the obsession between dives. Thanks for the effort. And that was Tom Kreider. And the next one is take me with. I have wanted to dive for a long time, but never have. I came across this podcast, and it really makes me motivated to get in the sport. It took me three weeks, but I have listened to all the episodes and enjoyed all of them. Uh, I can't see what Darren, Jim, and Mac and other hosts can see, but with their explanations, I feel like I'm right next to them, and hopefully someday I will be. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Uh, John P. from Utah. Hey, get out there and get in your local dive shop. I know Utah's got quite a few dive shops that would love to get you into diving don't hesitate grab a friend talk to the dive shop they'll work out some deal now if nothing else do a discover scuba that will at least uh, get you in the water and you can decide if it's something you like which if you listen to the program i bet you will and then uh one of our last five star reviews finally an active dive podcast i've been having trouble finding a podcast that deals with scuba diving that's still active great podcast keep it up thanks from florida and also, uh, what I'd like to remind everybody is, uh, if you know, if you'd like the uh, five-star reviews, go over to iTunes. Uh, we can also on TalkShoe, we like re- reviews there. And you can subscribe. And when I schedule the next episode, it will give you a little reminder saying, hey, come on into the chat room. We have an excellent and lively chat room tonight, which I ignore about a third of the time. 
I, I pick up just enough, Squirrel, uh, so that uh, I, I'm completely confused. Uh, and then also, uh, we like to, if you want to put, if you're really scuba obsessed, we like you to put your pin in our fan map. Go to scubaobsessed.com, uh, click on the about, uh, scuba obsessed fans, and then you go in there and put a fan map, and you can see where all the other scuba obsessed fans are. Uh, we've also, uh, and I'm going to have links in the show notes, uh, I've been working on uh, kind of an online, I'll call it a magazine or newsletter format, uh, and that's through Scoop It. And then also, if you've been following anything with Google Currents, uh, we now have a we now have the Scuba Obsessed Media is on Scuba Currents. If you've got a tablet or a mobile phone, uh, you can get news uh, and feeds sent right to the device. It puts in a nice little format, so that's something to check out. Brand new, Google released it last Thursday, and we've already got content out there. So take a look at that. Oh gosh, we, we're getting we're getting to that point that we can't avoid much longer, Mac. <laughs> I, keep stalling. I don't know if I call it good. I didn't come up with it, so we'll see how many groans we get from the chat room. You know, <laughs> and you know, a check will prevent me from naming the person who gave me the joke. It, it's nothing that came to you and you modified the name a little bit, is it? Uh, maybe a little bit. Got anything to do with dogs? No, no, I no, not that one. I've that one that, that one's uh that one's on the list, but uh, <laughs> not for tonight. I might have to, uh, yeah, you know, that that's kind of like fine wine or cheese or manure. You know, it needs to age a little to reach its full potential. <laughs> so uh, this one, good, it was a good one. It, that was a good one. Yes, you know, everybody's wondering what the heck we're talking about. So we can do that privately if they like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do that one after. Uh, so this this uh, this joke is. Um, are we right in the chat room? Let's any any last requests from the chat room before we we ruin it, and gas everybody out. They're just going on and on. I don't even know what they're talking about anymore. <laughs> Somebody's talking about their wife despising diving. Oh wow, <laughs> there's some stuff I can't even repeat. Uh, we try to be PG on the show, but the chat room can go way beyond that. So they usually do. Yeah, they usually do. So uh, we we bring out the best in people. Uh, so <laughs> here we are. Here's the joke: A scuba dive instructor is driving down a road with three penguins in the back seat of his car when a police officer pulls him over. The cop says, "These are exotic animals. Take them to the aquarium right now, or I'll give you, or I'll cite you with a ticket." The guy says, will do, officer, and drives off with the three penguins. The very next day, the same guy is driving down the road with the same three penguins in the back seat. This time, the convertible top is down. The three penguins are wearing sunglasses. Of course, the same officer pulls them over. Angrily, the cop says to the driver, I thought I told you to take those penguins to this aquarium. Stammering, the driver says, I, I did. I they had so much fun, I thought I'd take them to the beach today. Very good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we won't mention, Dave, who, who sent that to us. So. Oh, excellent. So oh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe.
call recording has been completed. So now we can talk and don't have to uh, purge what we say, huh? Uh, for some reason, all my formatting is crazy. <laughs> uh, here we go. Okay, I fixed it. So I get for using a sophisticated program like Notepad.